0: Amen. So uh, this last week I started a series on evangelism and uh, we we said that that kind of intimidates some people. They hear the word evangelism and they they get different reactions of <gasps> what am I supposed to do? I got to tell people what, you know, how, do, how does this thing work? And uh, last week, one of the things I said is some people get paralyzed in their life because they keep asking God for what's my ministry. You know, God, what's the one thing I'm supposed to do for you? And uh, Paul told us that we've all been given the ministry of reconciliation. And part of reconciliation is bringing people back together, bringing relationship back together. And that's what we're called to do between God and the world. The relationship has been broken, and we've been given a ministry to cause that relationship to come back together for it to be mended. Uh, I also said don't confuse gifts with ministry. We're all called to be ministers of reconciliation but sometimes we the question we're really asking what am i supposed to do for god is my gifts my passion where can i plug in to use how i'm made the way i'm designed and what i'm excited about so so don't confuse ministry with gifts we're all called to minister reconciliation to people but it is a good idea to find out god where can you use the gifts that you've given me also in your church in my family in my job in the world around me Uh, so evangelism At its simplest core definition is sharing good news about Jesus so that others can come to know him. How many of you have had Jesus do something good in your life? So you have good news that you could share with somebody about Jesus so that they could come to know him. And when they come to know him, you are accomplishing the ministry of reconciliation. When people come to know Jesus, that's what it's all about. Uh, We shared last week, uh, I shared a quote that said, evangelism is most persuasive when living it. Uh, We're called to not just talk about Jesus, but to actually let his life flow through us and the other people to see him. Uh, We talked about a survey of 15,000 adults that said the most effective method of church marketing is still the personal invitation. It's not billboards, it's not the internet, it's people talking to people and inviting them to come. Uh, so we're all called to evangelize. Jesus gave us a great commission. That's not an optional part of the Christian life. God, this is, this is really cool. I, I love to come to church, I love to worship you, I, I love the blessings you poured out in my life, but uh, that, that evangelism thing I'm not too sure about. We, we don't have the option of doing that as Christians. We're called to carry the good news to the world to let people know what jesus has done for us uh, jesus is our model right yes i'm at the right church right jesus is who we pattern our lives after he is our model well jesus said in luke 19:10, it says the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost so if Jesus was our model, and he said he's supposed to seek and save that which is lost, then we're supposed to also be seeking after and saving that which is lost. Um, is that up there? To seek and to save. I remind, you ever see the Pittsburgh police cars? It's to serve and protect? That's, I thought that would be a good motto. To seek and to save. You know, that's, that's what we're supposed to be doing. To seek and to save. Do you know that lost things don't always know they're lost? You know, usually that's, that's why I never want to stop for directions Because I'm not lost, I know right where I am ever, ever, You ever meet somebody that they say, oh, everybody else is lost I know where I am, but nobody else knows what's going on Lost things often don't know they're lost And they don't know I need to be found And that's, that's how a lot of people in their condition in the world are They're walking through life, they might not even realize there's more there's something better than the life I'm living right now. They they may be wallowing in the worst circumstances you could ever think of, but they're comfortable with it. I don't know I'm lost because I don't know any better than what I've ever seen. And we're called to come show people that there's a different way. Uh, our job is to find them. Seek in that passage to seek and to save the lost is the same word that's used in other places where Jesus says to seek God and to seek first the kingdom. How hard are we looking for the lost? Are we, are we as passionate about seeking out and finding lost people as we are about seeking God in our day-to-day life? And, and actually, the, the, the true story is the more passionate we get about seeking God, the more passionate we'll get about seeking the lost. Because they go together. His heart is for people. And the more we get His heart, the more we seek Him, that will be a natural outflow of it. We will seek the lost. I also thought of this question, uh, besides how, how hard are we seeking the lost, how hard are we seeking for God in the lost? just thought that was an interesting way of looking at it. If, if people are all God's children, are we, are we seeking what has been lost in those people? And you have a destiny and a purpose that you're not walking in right now. You are you called and created to be something more than where you're living right now. Am I seeking out what God has buried in there? The, these earthen vessels that, that have the capacity to be used for noble or unnoble purposes? Are we seeking out God in the lost? It's just another way to look at it. Uh, so we also said last week, our motivation for evangelism has to be love, 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 love. If you're wanting to evangelize for any other reason than you love people, you need to go back and check your motives. Uh, The goal of evangelism is for people to encounter Jesus, right? The the goal is not to close a sales deal. Anybody ever had, you felt like that? You you see somebody witnessing or they're talking to you about something, it's like, how many of you have ever had the talk with like the Amway people or some multi-level marketing or something like that? You think they're your friend, you're getting to build a relationship, and they say, hey, why don't you come over to the house next Friday night? Yeah, I'd love to have you over for dinner. And you get there for dinner, and they're like, are you satisfied with your income? And they start drawing the circles on the paper. Do you, do you feel like you're making enough for, for your family to be comfortable and happy? And all of a sudden, this, this light clicks in your head that it's like, this person really doesn't care about me. They're wanting to sign me up so that they can make more money in, the, in this marketing scheme. Sometimes the world feels like that, the way that we evangelize. Right. Oh mean that this person doesn't really love me they were just trying to close the sales deal you know get me over so i could pray the prayer and be a notch on their belt instead we're really supposed to be loving people do you know it's hard to love people i know because i know people you guys know any people you guys know any people that are hard to love now it's nobody in this room right it's only people outside of the church Sometimes it's even hard to love people in the church, isn't it? But that's supposed to be our motivation for everything we do. And if we love people, we will continue to love them no matter if the sales deal gets closed or not. Right. Right. Do you know, you're called to love your neighbor even if you witness to them a thousand times and they never accept Jesus. Anybody ever feel tempted? Like, oh, that I've, I've told that person about the gospel three or four or five, six, however many times and they never want to have anything to do with it. They don't respond. How many of us... Lean towards, oh well, I'll just write that person off. I'm not gonna have anything to do with them. You know, God doesn't stop loving people just because they reject him. And if he doesn't do that, then we shouldn't either. And that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where it is. Evangelism is difficult sometimes when we are to continue to love people no matter how they've reacted, whether they've accepted or not. I'm gonna tell I'm going talk about I Here's our box, right? God, we just released salvation over all the people in this box and the people that fell out of the box right now. So we we routinely put names of people that we're praying for in this box that we want to see them get saved. I have a name in this box, and uh, the person whose name is in this box for me, I actually got to see them yesterday, and uh, they were having some health issues. And and I said, you know, as a as a pastor, you know, one of the things I'd like to do, just as a Christian even, is just to pray for you. Would that be okay? And uh, you yeah, know, the name of my person that's in this box told me, oh, that's not my thing. Not not really into that. I don't want prayer. Man, that's, that is like, I will tell you, that is the exception to the rule. Most people, nine times out of ten, you offer to pray for them, and they're down with that. Like, right there on the spot, yes, I would love for you to pray for me. That's that's incredible that someone would care enough to pray for me. you. I mean, right now, even. And the person that I'm praying for said, no, nah, I'm not into that. You know, i, I got to still pray for that person and love them and look for opportunities to, to share the gospel with them because I want that person to come to encounter Jesus. To, to have a real experience to know that he loves them he died for them and wants to have a relationship with them so our motivation has to be love and you know you're not always going to see the opportunity to harvest uh, paul said it this way in one corinthians 3 he says i planted the seed and apollos watered it but god made it grow and jesus even said it in john four thirty seven. he says thus the saying one sows and another reaps is true you know we're just called to plant and to water right we, we spread seed, we water it when we get an opportunity. But, you know, it's the Holy Spirit that awakens faith in people and causes growth. And praise God for the opportunities where we get to be there as part of the harvest, where we can pray with somebody or see that faith come alive in them. But most often it's just, hey, I'm planting, I'm watering, I'm loving this person, I'm, I'm having another touch on their life. You know, we shouldn't just be putting these people's names in the box. We should be looking for opportunities. Hey, can I take you to, to lunch this, this week? Can I, can I just come over? you want to hang out? Do something that, that actually contacts their life and lets them see Jesus' as real love through us. So, uh, not only should we evangelize, I want to tell us this morning, you can evangelize. There, you are able. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, I'm able. Man, that, were you sincere? Did you really believe that when you said that to your neighbor? All right, I got one person. We are able to evangelize. It's not just a good idea. It's not just a theory. It's not just Jesus saying, "Hey, do this." Sometimes we look at it like Jesus said, "Hey, do this." You know, the Great Commission: go evangelize all these people, make disciples, and we just get guilty because it's like, "Oh, it's just another thing Jesus said to do that I'm a failure at." Anybody ever feel that way? And then you get like all this condemnation because I'm I'm not witnessing like I'm supposed to. I didn't pass on any tracks this month. I didn't, you know, whatever. It's not like that. You are able. I'm I'm here to tell you that this morning. You are able to share good news. It's at least one. Amen. This side of the room believes anybody else believe you are able to share the good news. We ought to we ought to change that mindset. You know, some people get intimidated by the thought of evangelizing. Oh, you can do it. That sounds like a quote from Arnold or something, doesn't it? You can do it. Um, Sometimes people get intimidated by the thought of evangelizing, or they get freaked out. Uh, they think they're unable. You know, you have the best news ever to show to share with people. If you put that next slide up, how about this? How, how would you like to be these guys? They're door to door. They're passing out their pamphlets. The guy says, "This pamphlet is blank," and they say, "Oh, we're, we're atheists." You have something to share with people. You have good news. You're not just handing them a blank slate and saying, hey, whatever's going to happen will happen. You actually have the best news that ever was delivered in the history of eternity. That Jesus came, just as we remembered at the communion table this morning. He loved us so much that He went to the cross for us. There is good news that we need to deliver. Uh, Some people, I think, uh, they feel awkward. They resist evangelism because it's like, oh, I'm not a good sharer. Or I, I don't know how to do that. If you want to put up the next slide. Anybody ever feel like this? Since says, you want to talk about Jesus? And the guy's like, no, not really. And the next slide it says, it yeah, feels awkward and this guy loves coffee. You know, some people resist evangelism because it's like, how do I do that? It just feels awkward. I can't work. How do I work Jesus into a conversation when the guy's reading the newspaper and drinking his coffee? You know? You don't really have to. The, the Holy Spirit's going to open doors. You could say, hey, that coffee looks great. You like coffee? Oh, what's in the newspaper today? You don't, you don't have to go into it with the mindset. I, I think that's why some people get intimidated and think it's awkward because they're work, walking into it with this mindset of, okay, when can I say Jesus in this con Well, there was an opening. I'm gonna, Je- No, no, Jesus. I'm going to throw it in there. As soon as I get a chance, I'm going to say Jesus and something will happen. How about this? You be you. And let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You you just love people with your own personality that God gave you. You don't have to be somebody else. You don't have to be the most eloquent speaker. You be you. And let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit in you. And and you will see fruit come. Of course, now I, I will give this commercial. If, if you know... Me being me is a complete jerk, and I turn people off because I'm the rudest person that ever lived. Don't be you. Let the Holy Spirit change you into Jesus. That's that's what we're really after. But but most of us, I think you understand what I'm saying by that. You be you. Yeah. Don't, don't get worked up. Don't get so awkward and intimidated thinking, how do I make this work when it's not really there in this situation? Just be you and love people. Some people get intimidated also, I think, because of the pictures of evangelism you have in your head. You know, like the, the fiery, I'm shouting at people from the street corner. Or we, we went to the soccer game last night. Uh, Pam and I and Silas were, we were at the only Pittsburgh sporting event last night where the Pittsburgh team actually scored. Oh, it was ugly in town last night for sports. But we went to the, the Riverhounds game, which is awesome. Right there on the river and the stadium down Station Square. And they have this one section at the stadium that they call the the crazies like like you have to if you want a ticket in that section you have to sign a a paper that says i will stand up the whole game i will be loud i will shout i will do the chants that everybody's doing they had guys down there with their flags they had drums they had their paint on their face they were going and it was mostly guys that's what got our attention and so uh most people they think I don't want to evangelize because they've got that picture of the crazies. It's, it's like in, in all of Christendom, that section that evangelizes is the crazies, like at the soccer game, right? They're the ones that are loud. They're out there. Everybody makes fun of them. Or, they, or if they're on rooting for your team, you think, hey, that's cool. I'm glad somebody's rooting for our team. But I'm not going to do that because I'm not one of the crazies. And it's like sometimes we have that picture of evangelism. It's the crazies, the shouters, the, those people that are really fanatics and out there. It's not supposed to be like that. You know, the the only people that Jesus yelled at were the religious leaders. The the guys that were, were declaring to everybody how holy they already were. Jesus took them to task. But the sinners, what happened with the sinners when Jesus encountered them? They knew they were loved. They knew they were accepted. In fact, Jesus treated the sinners in such a way that He got accused of being their friend. Man, He eats with them. He hangs out at their house. He talks with them. Well, why did Jesus eat with them? Why was He their friend? Why did He talk with them? Because He came to seek and save that which was lost. The healthy don't need a doctor. The sick do. That's where Jesus spent most of His time. So this picture of we're yelling and we're shouting at people and we're beating them over the head, that's an incorrect picture because Jesus is our model and He didn't do that. Not everybody's called to stand on the street corner and go door to door. But I'm going to also make this commercial. Please don't poo-poo any form of evangelism. You know, God will use all things to reach all people. But I would say 99.9% of people are not called to get your soapbox to go stand down on the corner and to shout at people as they're walking past. Um, if you are called to do that, come talk to me and we'll either support you or we'll talk you out of it. Um the, the bottom line, though, is if you've ever felt intimidated or unable to share good news, you're believing a lie. And what happens when we believe a lie? We need to repent, right? We just need to change our, our mind. We need to break our agreement with that lie of the enemy and come into agreement with what God says about you. And what He says about you this morning is, you are able. You can do it. I'll let you do business with God later. If you're like, oh man, I've been intimidated and unable. I need to repent. You need to take that up with God. It's, it's okay. He still loves you. Do you know, uh, you can never mess up evangelism so badly that God can't use it. That God can't clean things up. That God can't still communicate His love to people. Uh, go ahead and put that next slide up there. Here's this little guy walking down the street. He's kind of rehearsing in his mind. Jesus loves you. He forgives your sin. He died for you. He's got a wonderful plan for your life. And when he finally gets to the guy, he says, you're going to hell. (laughs) Anybody ever feel like that? Like, oh, I don't know what to say. I've got all these good thoughts in my mind and I know what the Bible says and how much God loves people. But when I open my mouth, just... I don't know what to say to people and I know I'm going to screw it up. You can never screw it up so badly that God can't come in and let people know that they're loved. I will remind people about that slide. Uh, You're going to hell is usually not the good lead-off line to evangelize people. Uh, Romans chapter 2 says it's God's kindness that leads to repentance. Um, You know, I've I've wondered, anybody else wonder this? Why does bad evangelism seem to still produce results? You know, there, there are people that occasionally get saved by the guy standing on the street corner yelling at people. Why is that? here's a verse for you You can write this down proverbs chapter 27 verse 7 says this he who is full loathes honey but to the hungry even what is bitter tastes sweet and i read that verse i'm like god that's that makes a lot of sense you know it's it might be bitter hey you're going to hell oh i better get saved then but to a hungry starving person it still tastes good even if it's bitter, it's like, man, I was starving, and that's good. Anybody ever have to choke stuff down? Maybe your your parents or my wife never made any bad cooking in her entire life. But somebody else that I've known, I went to their house, and it was bad, and I had to eat it. And But it was, you're hungry. You're still going to eat it, even if it doesn't taste good. That's what it's like for people in the world, that even, even some of the, the bad evangelism methods, that's why they work, because the world's dying. They're starving. So what does evangelism look like? That's a hard one to define, isn't it? Because we could go down the line, we'll ask 10 different people, and we'll get 10 different responses of this is what evangelism looks like. Uh, I will say there are some types that we shouldn't do. If you want to go ahead and put up the next slide. Uh, guys, remember Jack Bauer from 24? He's, he's in this slide telling this guy, do it. And the guy says, all right, all right, I accept Jesus into my heart. He says, do it now or you'll lose a finger. You know, that is a, not a good form of evangelism. We're, we're not going to hold people down at gunpoint and twist their arm and tell them they better get saved right now. Go to the next one. This one's not so good either. He says, it's a shame I couldn't reach you with God's message. Perhaps the deacons will have better luck. And the deacons are standing around the corner with bats. <laughs> so they're, And the bat says John 3.16 on it. You know, going to save people by beating them with the gospel. Go to the next one. This one's just <laughs> weird. Why do we get weird sometimes as Christians? It's, it's like I'm, I'm going to evangelize, but I got to strike the holy pose first. And I, I got why do we get weird? Messiahments save your breath. That's not I don't care how many messiahments you give to somebody, they're not going to get saved. Their, their breath will smell great. You'll want to talk to them more, but they're not going to get saved. They're gonna get saved through you telling them the good news and living life with them. Go ahead to the next one. This is a this is a harsh one, but this is not a good form of evangelism. In fact, this is not even truth. Uh, this, these are people holding up signs that says God hates America and God blew up the shuttle. Uh, maybe more recent ones you've seen where God hates soldiers or God hates homosexuals and they go picket outside of funerals and everything. Do you know God doesn't hate America? That's right. God really loves America. He loves every country. He loves every tribe, tongue, and nation. He loves every shade of skin. He loves every person that's ever walked and existed. That that picture grieves me. Because it's like, man, how far are you repelling people from Jesus? You're, you're undermining the very work that we've been called to do as the church. Go ahead to the next one. Here's another one that's just about... Being weird, a guy's wearing a t-shirt that says, let's talk about Jesus. And he tells his friend, he says, it guarantees that I get an entire seat to myself on the bus. we got to stop being weird sometimes and just share the gospel, just be real with people. There are some types of evangelism that, that don't work. So those slides, please don't do those. Those those are not the good first step lead off. There are some things that, that do work. If you want to go to the next one, uh, this is kind of what does work. Go ahead to the next one. Here's an interesting one. Uh, It's kind of humorous, but it says it's a get out of hell free card. It's like Monopoly. Anybody ever remember the get out of jail free card? You know, that's not my favorite approach of you can get out of hell if if you accept Jesus. But, you know, there is a real aspect to that, that Jesus does save people from hell. Uh, You know, there are really words in the New Testament. You can go through and read the New Testament yourself. There are words in there like judgment, punishment, condemnation, utter darkness, fire, you know, there, there are very real things that Jesus does save people from. But the problem with hell insurance is it doesn't really bear the most lasting fruit that you've ever seen. You know, you know that fear and love will produce the same results in people, right? Some, sometimes Silas does things because I tell him to and he's afraid of what's going to happen if he doesn't do it. I get what I want done. Sometimes Silas does things because he loves me and he knows I love him. You know what? The same results happen. I get obedience. Now which one of those is better though for long lasting relationship and fruit? If people get saved because they are afraid of going to hell or whatever bad's gonna happen, we have to, we have to quickly get those people into encounters with God's love or they're not gonna produce any long lasting fruit in their lives. You know, you you get hell insurance, it's just like buying any other kind of insurance, it's like whew. Don't have to worry about that anymore. I'm not even going to think about that again. Not on my radar screen. I'm good to go. That's what coming to Jesus through fear does. Okay, not going to go to hell anymore. God's not on my radar screen any further past that. I'm just going to go back to living my own life the way I was. Anybody ever know anybody like that? It's like, man, they're 20 years after they got saved, they're still like exactly the same as they were 20 years ago. It's like, oh, I got my get out of hell free card. Got my ticket punched. I don't have to worry about that anymore. We have to get people into encounters with God's love. But that does still work on people because hell is real and people don't want to go there. God doesn't want people to go there. He didn't create it for that. That wasn't his intention to send people to. Uh, Here's another one. If you want to go to the next one, uh, people giving out tracts. I put up there to tract or not to tract. Uh, that is the question. Anybody ever see tracks like that? They used to have these tracks that looked like a $20 bill folded up on the ground. That's that's what this one is a picture of. And and somebody's seeing that on the street. You go around you leave them on the street. And somebody's like, sweet, 20 bucks!" And they pick it up and they open it. And it says, don't be fooled. There's something you can have that is more valuable than money. And then on the back, it's like, got the sinner's prayer or something. I've never met anybody that got saved through picking up uh, thinking they were getting a $20 bill and it's a track. Usually they just get angry. Like I can't believe I bend over and picked up this stupid piece of paper and it's not 20 bucks. If somebody would write some good tracks, I'm all for using them. But, but most of the tracks you see are either deceptive like that, or they give you the message of, Hey, you are going to burn if you don't accept Jesus. And it's like, what about some good tracks that tell people that God really does love you and he's got a plan for your life? I, I am a fan of giving out the church's cards. You know, we have cards in the back. You can take a whole handful if you want. And you keep them in your wallet, keep them in your purse. You just give them to people and say, hey, man, our church is great. We love people. You could even write your name on the back with your phone number. Not every person on the street. So. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't just go around and give them to everybody on the street, because then we'll have to go back and pick them up off the street later. That's usually what happens when you give them to people you don't know. How about this though? The most effective tract is you. Look at look at your neighbor and say, "You're a good looking tract," <laughs> and you get you're getting like bonus points right now if you said that to your spouse. You are a good looking tract. 2 Corinthians says it this way, in chapter 3, verse 2, Paul says, You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everybody. Your life is read by everybody. Whether you are intentionally trying to reach them or push them away, it doesn't matter. People are reading your life. Verse 3 says, You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, not written with ink but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. You are the best tract that anyone could ever receive. Uh, There's another method of evangelizing. Uh, If you go to the next slide, door-to-door. This one is the one that kind of freaks people out. Has anybody ever gone door-to-door evangelizing? I've gone and knocked on some doors. Um, And we would do it again if God says, this is the time and season to do that. You know, go reach the neighborhood. Most people hear door to door evangelism, and they think that's annoying. Yeah, well, f- <laughs> not even I have to wear a suit and tie. Gosh, I don't. You're not going to see me going door to door in a suit and tie unless God comes down and writes it on the wall. In fact, you might not see me in a tie unless God comes down and writes it on the wall. Uh, I will be in a tie later. Uh, <laughs> oh, several times. I I I told a pastor friend of mine. I said I wore a tie two times or three times last year because I was trying to think in my head how many weddings or funerals I did, but that was it. Uh, But door-to-door, most people think of it as as a sales call. Like, hey, this guy's here to sell me something. Uh, Or they think of, what what does everybody else think of door-to-door? You think of the Jehovah's Witnesses. Like, oh, they must be a cult. You know, we kind of got that ingrained in our head. If somebody's going door-to-door, they must be not a good religion. Uh, It doesn't always produce the most, but sometimes it does. Dad, got saved through door to door ministry. Now it happened to be people that mom knew cuz she was go she had started going back to church and dad wasn't having anything to do with it uh, but the pastor of the church and one of the men in the church came to dad's house while mom was in the hospital. And they sat down dad, you know probably wanted to choke him more than anything cuz they were taking up his night But uh, they sat down, they shared the gospel with him, and then he kicked them out of the house. (laughs) said, get out, Uh, thank you for coming, but I don't want anything to do with you. And then a couple days later, Dad said it it felt like a sword was sticking in his heart, the seed that they planted. And so, you know, like I said, don't poo-poo any form of evangelism, because it all produces results at some point. Uh, But door-to-door, you know, there have been surveys that are done that people are much more likely to respond to invitations if it comes from someone they know. If you're gonna go door to door, you know the best place to do it? Your own neighborhood where you live. We could come and go door to door here in Elliot. We've done it before, but it's much more effective if you go door to door in your neighborhood and people are like, oh, that's Jolene. You know, she lives next door to us or two doors down. That is the most effective form of door to door. And then uh, I was thinking, you know, going into people's homes is much more effective if you've actually been invited. Uh, that's, that's part of the secret of the, the grocery delivery ministry. You show up, people have invited you to come, and you're bringing them food. They love to see you. They invite you right in their house. You get to sit down. They tell you their life story. They, they're open if you want to pray with them. It's awesome. So door-to-door is effective, and especially if people have said, come to my house, and you've been invited. Here's another one if you want to put the next slide up. Uh, big Crusades. What do you think of when you think of Big Crusades? Big Crusades. Billy Graham, you know, most most people—that's that's what they're wired for. Billy Graham does these huge crusades. Reinhard Bonnke in other lands. T. L. Osborne before he passed away recently. They think of these huge crusades, and I will say, don't poo-poo any form of evangelism because they all produce some fruit. I, it, it never fails. Every time I was trying to make a point, like I would say, you know, people get saved. i one one-on-one evangelism. You know, who here has ever been saved in a big crusade? Any time I do that to try to make a point. There's always like a couple people here that raise their hands and they say, "I got saved at a Billy Graham crusade." So, so don't poo-poo it. It, it can work. But you know that even in the, uh, big crusades, most people go usually because someone they know invited them. So even though it's a big crusade, it's like their friend said, "Will you go with me to hear Billy Graham?" Because they know, hey, they're gonna the gospel's gonna be presented and they're gonna have an opportunity to come to the altar. So that's even big crusades work. Uh, it's interesting. I think big crusades work better in other countries just because of the spectacle. Because you go to, to some places in other countries where, wow, there's all these, What are, what is this sound system? And, you know, who is this white man coming to speak? Or whatever it is, it's like it works better there because it's so out of the norm that it draws tons of people. But it's still about personal relationships. Uh, the last slide I had up here this morning is... Servant evangelism, or practically meeting people's needs, we were doing some servant evangelism yesterday at the down on uh, Chartreuse Avenue. Uh, The lot that the church owns uh, was transformed yesterday, or 90% transformed, into the New Life Veterans Memorial Garden. And so, servant evangelism really is about doing things that meet people's practical needs: bake them a pie, mow their grass. You know, go to the store for them. Do something that meets a need that they have. In this case it was, hey, there's we're transforming the community to, to be a, a beautiful place. You know, we we are sowing seeds into relationships in the community. You know, just about everybody can do this one because because people have needs and you usually know what they are and it's oh, I could I could take somebody I could bake Pam Sunday school class cookies and you know, I could bake my neighbor cookies and take them over there. Just about everybody can do this. When, when you do this, you are being great in the kingdom. Because the greatest is the one that serves. And so when we serve people to win them, you're actually being a giant. You're being great in the kingdom of God. And remember, I said the verse in Romans 2 earlier, kindness leads to repentance. Well, I think that means that unkindness or, or ignoring people's needs repels them. You, you want to push people away from repentance... Uh, don't meet their needs. Be unkind to them. Don't do things for them. So, those are the, some effective methods of evangelism, but I'm going to save a couple for next time I talk. I'm, uh, next time I'm going to share the most effective methods of evangelism. You guys are just hanging on the edge of your seat right now. You're like, come on, Pastor, tell us them now. No, because uh, we're going to get ready to do baptisms now. Uh, when people come to be born again, in fact, ushers, if you want to go down and get Jordan and I don't know if there were any other kids and Steve if you want to get changed Uh, yeah we'll get ready to do baptisms but this is one of the most important steps that people can do after they get born again is is follow Jesus into the waters of baptism it's just an awesome time that, that they say hey I've accepted what he did for me on the cross and I want to let him change my life and follow him in everything I do um, so while they're going to get ready for baptism I want us to think about either who's in the box that you put there or just somebody that's coming to your mind right now in fact you guys can stand up and stretch you've been you've been sitting a while